Hello and welcome to the Data Cloud Podcast. Today's episode features an interview with Madhav Kondle, CIO at Janie and Jack. In this episode, Madhav talks about strategies for implementing big data for mid-sized companies, how Snowflake removes pain points for Janie and Jack, and why it's important to understand the domain of functional knowledge. So please enjoy this interview between Madhav Kondle and your host, Steve Hamm. Dive deep into the world of apps and generative AI at Snowflake Build 2023. This December, developers, data scientists, engineers, and startups will have access to exclusive sessions focused on building apps, data pipelines, and machine learning workflows in the age of generative AI and LLMs. Discover how to use the latest Snowflake innovations through product deep dives, demos, and hands-on labs. Learn more and register for a build event in your region at snowflake.com slash build. Madhav, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Same here, Steve. This is my first podcast, so I'm excited. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure you'll do fine. Yes, you are there to help me, yes. Yeah. Now, Janie and Jack has had an unusual recent history. Two changes in ownership in quick succession. Please tell us about the company, its brand, and the current business strategy. Last few years have been very interesting for Janie and Jack. Janie and Jack was part of the Jimbori brand, and Jimbori brand went through bankruptcy in, in 2019, and we were bought by Gap during the process. So Janie and Jack was excited to find a big player to own the company, Gap. And we joined the gap with a lot of positive outlook, thinking that we'll get a big, bigger mothership to support the brand. But pandemic hit the world, things changed, and things changed at Gap, and the strategy at Gap changed, and Gap decided to focus on their core brands. And then they decided, though Jenny and Jack was one of the profitable business, based on the size of the Jenny and Jack being limited to premium children wear. It was not a big pie for Gap. So they decided to offload. So we, this brand went through one more ownership change. And now we are with a group of private equity managed by Global. First change and then pandemic, then again a second change. All the bad times are behind us. It's almost two years now with the new management. The brand is very much stabilized. The brand is loved by our customers. We are seeing a very good growth in last two plus years and we are in a very good spot to keep growing from here. A lot of companies went through some really rough times, sometimes related to COVID or other things. So it's really been an amazing four or five years now, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it was very turbulent, but I think we survived and we are riding the wave back up. So now you have an unusual history with the company as well. You came into Janie and Jack through Jimboree, 2017, I believe. Then you worked for Gap during the time when it owned the company. And now you're CIO at Janie and Jack. Help us navigate your career journey. What lessons have you learned over these past few years that are serving you well as you take on these new challenges? Yes, I was with Jimboree from 2013, not 17. So I was oh, okay. like few years with Jimboree. Okay. And I was part of the team that was retained 
and taken over by Gap. So I joined Gap as part of that acquisition. And a mandate for me when I joined the Gap was to look at Genie and Jack Systems and create a platform for Gap to onboard smaller brands going forward. Right. So I had, it, it was very exciting where we thought, okay, Gap, being a bigger brand and a lot of legacy systems, how can we use the Genie and Jack smaller systems to create a platform to onboard more brands for Gap? But again, as I said, things changed and that didn't work out. And then I retained, remained in Gap supporting other Gap brands. I was managing data for Gap, worked to build a new data platform at Gap, helping them to move to the new modern world of data platform. Yeah. And again, last year, Jane and Jack called me back because they needed an experienced leader to help them grow because the brand started to survive and then started to grow back. So they needed an experienced leader to take them through the growth journey. So I joined back Jane and Jack last October as CAO. Yeah. So it's really about growth, but in order to grow successfully and efficiently, you really need a better data platform. Is that the idea? Yes, better data platform is one part of the equation, but there were other things that we had to do before we get to the data. We had to stabilize some of the older systems and also move to a lower operating cost platforms because some of the systems that were built for Genie Jack were ideally built for Jimbori, which was much larger enterprise compared to Genie Jack. Are you really going to the cloud? Is that a big part of what's going on in terms of the, the new platform and new application? Yes, we are going to cloud and we started the cloud journey in 2017 as part of Jimbori. Okay. Okay. And when we say cloud, I we consciously, the IT leadership team at that time in Jimbori, we have looked at a multiple options. And when we say cloud, we are primarily focused more into SaaS platforms in cloud versus trying to build our own cloud. We thought that, okay, moving to cloud simply from data center to cloud and having the same engineering team to manage and build applications in cloud is not effective for a company of Jimbori size. So our decision is more to cloud with more SaaS solutions. Okay. So So basically you're operating in the cloud, but you're using applications made by major software companies rather than building your own? Yes, we want to avoid building our own and use the major cloud native applications and build the integration between them. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, you mentioned Go Global Retail before the, the private equity firm. Do they basically let you run very independently? I, I know that they own some other retailers as well, but are you each of you on your own? in terms of strategy and technology? So they try to take active participation in the strategy. They let you drive, but they want to make sure that whatever we're building will help them grow, right? So they want to build a platform and they're always in market looking out to acquire new businesses. So they want to make sure that the systems we are building are limble enough for me to integrate when needed, when they make those moves, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want to put some custom development or some small solution that cannot scale up, right? So even with the SaaS, we want to make sure that we are always looking ahead. In case of data platform too, 
with the snowflake we want to make sure yeah. that the snowflake should be able to support multi band strategy next yeah. year i hear right? it. i hear it. yeah and is is there a one central it for all of go global's companies or does each one have its own separate it so for now it is separate but the idea is to make the genie and jack it as the global services organization when they acquire more okay. brands right. so the strategy and direction or the intent is to become single but we are not there yet okay i got gotcha. you but it sounds like you're in charge of yes. creating the platform that everybody will use which is a great spot to be in for you i think Yes, it's a great spot to be in. It comes yeah. with challenges, but it's good challenge to have. Well, retailers face many challenges these days. And I know that Janie and Jack has more than 100, I think it's 115 brick and mortar outlets, yeah. but yes. also online sales operation and that's growing. So how do the two channels work together? And what's the role of IT in executing on this omni-channel strategy? Yes so there are a lot of parts to make sure that the both channels work together right from planning inventory inventory procurement and then placing the inventory in the right channels yeah. so that we can sell based on where the product is moving so when we build systems we always keep that in mind so that we are able to look both retail and mm-hmm. e-commerce data together yeah. and then help business make those decisions based on the size of our stores and the product the type of products we sell through we have not enabled all omni flows for example we do not offer buy online pick up in store or ship from oh, store wow. right is primarily based on operational overheads that will create versus system systemic overheads yeah. but we do support customers walking into the store and if they do not find a product that they like in the size or color or if we are having any online exclusive products customer is able to purchase those products while they are in the store placing an online order in the store and then okay. get it free shipped so we okay. do offer and oh. customers can walk into our stores and then do a return for their online return and when we build our customer data we look at both their retail and e-commerce transactions together when i market oh, good, to the customer good. so we do that so we are making the it play a lot of role to bring both the retail and e-commerce data together both from product and customer perspective for business to make their decisions so let's talk about snowflake for a second when and why did you establish the relationship with snowflake and the data club yeah and again as i said the strategy for us has been to move to the cloud yeah and in the data world we have been on an on prem system and micro strategy which was deployed in 2013 2014 right okay, okay. so it was always in our it roadmap to move them to a cloud and again find a more modern data cloud solution that is built cloud native and right. that can integrate easily with other saas or other products that we are planning to build or operate right obviously there are f- four options out there in the market so for us snowflake was a better choice for a couple of reasons one i think from a processing perspective and the efficiency that snowflake can bring in cost and operations of processing the data i think it faces better than other competitors in the market second thing is the snowflake 
strategy itself where they are going to make sure that they are able to partner with other application providers that they can bring their applications to run natively on Snowflake without me having to move data. As I said, since we are a very small team, I'm always looking for the solution that will not require a lot of engineering bandwidth on our side to manage. So the Snowflake strategy of integrating or bringing products onto Snowflake is a very attractive proposition for us to consider. Yeah, I guess Databricks is more custom app building and stuff like that, right? Custom app building and a lot of data engineering skill set is required, right? And Microsoft is still not stabilized very much. And we are not in Google or AWS, so Snowflake was a natural choice. Now, I understand, and you mentioned this, you talked about partnering and Snowflake having a partnering strategy with data application vendors. And I understand that Roebling is a key IT vendor for Janie and Jack and also a strategic partner for Snowflake. So tell us about that relationship. Why is it so important to have those two companies on the same page and how do their technologies work together? Yeah, so Roebling comes with a good data model, predefined retail data model that will help us create standard retail metrics, right, out of the box without me having to come up with new data model, build a lot of ETLs, do a lot of aggregations and metric calculations. So Robling is going to take away all of that work. Mm-hmm. And Robling data model is one of the very solid retail data model that I've come across. Even in my role as head of data engineering at Gap, building the Mm -hmm. data platform, Mm -hmm. we did look at multiple data models that are out in the market, commercial data models. And Robling is one of the leading one that meets all of your retail use cases. Mm -hmm. And that goes well within our strategy of helping me to speed the deployment of the data platform. Mm -hmm. If I had to build the data model on myself and create all the ETLs, it's going to be take a lot of time and energy and engineers, right? Robling yeah. is going to take away that. And Robling also has predefined dashboards that we can easily turn on using Looker or other reporting tools. Mm-hmm. So that all is helpful. And other key thing is that the Robling is not going to restrict the way I'm going to use the data in Snowflake. So Robling is going to do the heavy lifting of calculating all the metrics, but at the same time, make the data available for me to merge it with other raw data mm-hmm. when we are ready to do data science. Oh, I see. They're not locking it in. No, they're not they? locking it in. Yeah, interesting. No. So it is, I'm getting best of both worlds. Yeah. I get pre-calculated, pre-defined ETLs and calculations. And at the same time, I can merge the data along with other data. So that's other challenge I've seen in Gap or earlier in Jimbori. When we have some of the solutions, they block you out and I can't, then I need to extract the data, put it with somewhere else and then do all that. So Uh now I don't have to do that. So I have the Robling data and other Snowflake data easily accessible for me in one place. Now... What's the status of your deployment? Have you gotten the system up and running or in the middle of that? Or where, yeah. where, where are you going with this? And what, what kind of challenges have you faced along the way? So Robling is a good, very 
well-defined implementation strategy. So they have something called fast-track deployment. What that does is that it validates a couple of things. It validates the technical integration of Robling into your environment. It validates the data sources that it's able to consume and then curate the data. And then you can quickly compare it with your existing data to make sure that it is up and running. So that's called fast-track implementation. It is pure lift and shift of existing data sources and calculating the metrics for those data sets. We are almost done with that phase. We just are going to begin UAT of that phase next week. It is a 90-day implementation timeline. And once that is done, that proves out the Robling data model for us, proves out the Robling technology for us. We are planning to accomplish that by March. So this whole process of kind of getting the platform up and running, is it like a six month from beginning yeah, to six end? Months. Or, yeah, okay. Big six months. That's what it was sounding like. And you're about halfway there. Yeah. We're halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Halfway there. And we did a yeah. lot of thinking and planning to make sure that we are able to do it in the six months. So I've been in discussions with Snowflake and Rob Lane for a couple of months, yeah. thinking through so that we are well prepared and we have a well-defined game plan before we begin the project. So I think that's also helping us a lot. And my experience of doing the data platform at Gap, right? And my experience on working on Jimbori systems, I understand how the data moves between different systems. That has helped us to come start the project with a good plan in mind. It's been almost a year now that large language models and generative AI have been hot on everybody's mind. And some of the big companies have been very aggressive Big users of data have been very aggressive about this. You have a, I guess you call it a mid-sized company. How are you using those technologies? So far, we have not actually put them into use, but okay. we are trying to look what is the best use case for us to take advantage of it, right? Yeah. Again, we don't want to jump under the bandwagon of LLMs and then spend a lot of energy and money not yeah. knowing how I'm going to get value out of it. But at the same time, we, as I said, we are a SaaS approach, yeah. a strategy application. So we are a lot of Salesforce. So Salesforce has done a lot into their environment and incorporating those LLM models, yes. both in the customer service area and also in the content generation on the website. Yeah. So we are working to Salesforce and trying to see how I can use that in two specific use cases. One is in website content generation. And second one is in the email marketing. How can we generate? So those are the two places we want to check out and then see how we can get value out of it. But that is on the roadmap for next year. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In a sense, you're letting these big companies with all the resources do the heavy lifting, and then you get the benefit from it when they get into a nice package that's useful for you. Yes. Yeah. Very smart. I see the future. What a fascinating modern age we live in. Is this what the future holds? Hey, I want to ask you to put on your visionary cap for a minute. Looking out, say, five years or more, how do you see data technologies transforming business and even society? I think the last three, four years, the rate at which the data engineering or data platform or data technologies have been changing has been rapid, right? We have seen a lot of changes in the market and then with quantum computing and other 
high computing powers, we are able to harness large amounts of data because the earlier the challenge was the time it for you to synthesize and compute a data and then take meaningful insights out of it, the data becomes stale because it right. needs a lot of time for processing. So I think all this data breaks, snowflakes, and all these models are taking away that pain so that you can process large amounts of data in a quicker time so that you can take actions. Yeah. So I think that will continue to increase and that is helping us enterprises or corporates to collect more data that they were not collecting earlier. Because there's so many data elements that people never collected because I can't use them in my business decisions. This is helping people to capture more and more data. And all these technologies are going to help people to build how I'm going to use this data for meaningful business decisions. Isn't it funny that this, this term big data really became popular was more than 10 years ago, maybe even 15. But if the, but when we look back, when they were talking about big data back then, man, that, that was not very big compared yes. to what we got now. Yes. And all these, the, these accelerator chips, the NVIDIA chips, the next generation that's coming, the amount of processing power that's out there and the ability of platforms like the data cloud, like Snowflake to manage it, it really is this golden age that's coming, I think. And yeah, I think the data that is getting generated and collected and processed, I think it would have gone up so many times. And yeah, the big data, when it came in, this much data was not there. Right? Yeah. If you take off your day-to-day streaming, everybody's streaming so much data. Yeah. And there are these data platforms collecting what everybody's streaming, watching, and then generating insights out of it. It's huge. It's petabytes of data being collected yeah. everywhere. It's very exciting. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. really need to dig deep and get to know the real you. In the real, up close and personal. So, Madhav, we're coming to the end of a podcast, and typically we end on a lighter or more personal note. And I understand that you come from a retail family in India. Your side of the family, your wife's side as well. I'm just wondering, growing up and retailing in a very different world, what lessons or what basic lessons did you learn in your early years that have helped you in your career since then? The basic thing of business. Businesses are there to make profit, right? You should understand what am I selling? Does it cost me to make a product that I'm selling? And how much am I selling for? At the end of it, it's all cost and revenue model. Yeah. Coming from business family and being an engineer, I think one of the biggest challenges for engineers is they do not understand the domain or functional knowledge. You ask them to write a Java line of piece of code or Python, they'll write it, but they can't understand how it is being put in use or what is the purpose it is driving. So having that family background of business helped me early on to transition from an engineer to a business analyst, to a solution architect, and to become a leader I am today. So that basic understanding of how consumer interacts with your brand, what does it need from the brand, they all helped me. So it was easy when I converse with the business leaders, I can understand their problem statement because they do not understand technology. But if somebody tells me that, oh, we are seeing a higher return rate, 
I know what they are talking about. Coming from a business background, help me to understand business problems and translate yeah. it to IT and then can work with the engineers to build yeah. appropriate solutions. That's, that's an interesting insight. It's funny that even today, engineering and business really are separate tracks. And yes. even in education, they're not really brought together that much. I mean, yeah. for instance, I work with medical science. They have this thing called the MD-PhD. So somebody's a clinician and a researcher. It's almost like in the tech world, we need people who are IT MBAs, yes. something like that. And I know that there are places that, that do this kind of thing, but it seems like it's we could use even more of it. It's been really interesting talking to you today, Mana. Well, it's funny. We talked to some very big businesses, and we also talked to some kind of born-on-the-web kind of businesses. But to talk to you and a, a mid-sized business making it a transition or living in both worlds, the web world and the brick-and-mortar world, yeah, is very interesting. And the way you talked about your strategy, I thought, was very insightful and very useful for some of our listeners because this idea that you don't have to write everything yourself. You can get a lot of SaaS stuff, maybe customize it a little bit, maybe do a lot of integration yourself, but focusing on what your data is and what your business is. So mid-sized companies like yours can get all the power and potential of these data clouds and data platforms same as with as the same as the big companies can get, but for a lot less money. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that is a big change in the last yeah. three four years, right? Yeah. More of these technologies are now becoming more affordable for a mid-sized yeah. company. Earlier they were not, right? Yes, yes. When it was SAPs and those worlds, those are so expensive for a mid-sized oh, yeah. company to implement, right? So this new technologies like Snowflake, it is making easy for everybody to adopt and get yeah. benefit out of the technology. That's great. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you. You're going to have a very interesting next couple of years. And so I wish you all the best. Yes, it is going to be interesting. Once we stand up the snowflake, we will be giving an additional capability for our business to grow. And also, as I said, the strategy is to build a platform to help the private equity firm to acquire more branch and then help them bring in more businesses onto the same technology platform. How you approach data will define what's possible for your organization. Data engineers, data scientists, application developers, and a host of other data professionals who depend on the Snowflake Data Cloud continue to thrive thanks to a decade of technology breakthroughs. But that journey is only the beginning. Catch up on all the latest announcements from Snowflake Summit, including advancements with generative AI and LLMs, flexible programmability, application development, and much more. Watch now at snowflake.com slash summit slash live stream.